What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. It is rivalry week in the AFC South Division, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast. As always, I am your host, Michael Pivia. Joined by, by me, as always, is Marcus, culture shock. Marcus, man. Colts coming off that big-time win over Kansas City. Some say it was given to us. Some say we may have taken it. Whatever the case may be, we're taking that W any chance we can get it. So how you been, man? Oh, I've been great, man. It's victory week. You know, we're in a good mood right now. We got some players coming back from injury. You know, we're hitting all cylinders at the perfect time, and it's better late than never. So let's go ahead and head into rivalry week, determined to go ahead and beat the Titans. Yeah, speaking of rivalry week, we had to have a special show in store for you guys. So I reached out to a couple buddies of mine who happen to be Titans fans. I know people, Titans fans. Yeah, we got to we gotta let them speak. But joining, coming over from SB Nation, representing Titans Unfiltered, Sam Hicks and Nick Lombardi. Gentlemen, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Good to be here, man. Good to be here. Yeah, looking forward to it. We'll try to we'll try to keep things pretty civil. I, I think we uh we, we can do that at least for an hour. Hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> we can do that for listen, an hour, right? The good the well, good thing is is that you decided to do this now, other than whenever the weekend gets because by the time it gets to about Saturday, the emotions will start kicking in. We'll see it. Would there'll be enough news? We know how Twitter is. Twitter will start it'll start twerping. It'll start getting everybody worked up. And then next thing you know, there'll be something that has me kind of riled up. 
that I would probably say on the show, and then I'd have you, I'd have all your listeners attacking me, and I ain't, I, I ain't, I'm not trying to do that. I, I got migraines, guys. I can't, I ain't got time to be having fans attacking me, especially not Coast fans because y'all are rabid. Y'all, Titans fans are crazy. You, your fans are crazy. We don't need our fans going at each other's necks. We can't. Have hey, man, I will say this. I will defend Colts Nation on this. Okay, when you guys got destroyed by Buffalo, one of your fans came on Twitter and said, you know what, at least we scored a point, and the Colts didn't. I don't see that as a flex, losing by 34 points or losing by 24, but at least in that 34-point loss, you scored a touchdown, right? You got an answer for that, Sam. What's up, baby? It's not a a flex. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, Nick can attest to this. The podcast that we had after that was called Therapy Session, where I literally just laid on my couch and Nick just tried to make me feel better about my life. Yeah. And there's not much that he could do. He's, he doesn't have a PhD, guys. So, like, he did everything that he could, but it's probably the most depressed I've been after a Titans loss in the past two seasons. I'll say that 100%. So, there's no reason that any Titans fan should say, yeah, that at least we scored a point. I don't care if we, I don't care if we scored two touchdowns in that game. We look horrible. Yeah, that person, I didn't see that, but whoever that was should have done what I did and just logged off for the night after about the third quarter. Like there's nothing, there's nothing left to say uh, that could, that could be a positive spin at that point. So yeah, we, I, I won't, we won't claim that person, whoever that was. <laughs> Before we get things going in the show, guys, uh, Nick and Sam, tell everybody if there's Titans fans joining in, tell them where, where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, obviously, you can find us at Unfiltered Titan on uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, me at Sam Hicks 615. Nick is at Nick Lombardi, I believe. That's right. Yeah, NF and, uh, underscore Lombardi. Yep. Yeah, NF underscore Lombardi. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, anyway, listen to podcasts. We're there. We, uh, our episodes usually drop every Thursday morning. I try to drop around 5 a.m. because I know that a lot of people sitting in rush hour. So, if you want to get on, hear us kind of go off about the week before Sometimes we get to celebrate those victories. And I mean, that's just where you're going to find all the best Titan content when it comes to just a real fan, two guys, just straight talking ball. None of the, none of the analytical stuff, literally just talking <laughs> as fans. That's good. That's good. As, as always go shout them out, go follow them on Twitter. The links to their Twitters and Titans on filter is going to be in the description below. If you are on YouTube. So before we get into this matchup coming up Sunday, man, I got to bring up what the hell happened last year. All right, that was some uh, that was some BS, straight up, some BS. Marcus, don't you agree? Two games, the first one in Tennessee, good Lord, who the hell knows what happened in that game? But Tennessee comes back to Indy. Boy, Michael Pittman does a number on whoever the hell is in that secondary, man. Two touchdowns in the first two drives, and then all goes to hell, Marcus. What do you remember? Do you recall our emotions as Colts fans in that second yeah. game? Absolutely. Uh, once it rains, it pours. Uh, Carson Wentz was literally the solution to how all the problems because there was two games where we could have won. We could have won both games, but the first game was terrible QB play. He threw like two interceptions. And then the second game, he didn't do anything. He just had passing yards and no touchdowns and no interceptions. So, you know, the inconsistency with our quarterback last year had a lot to do with those losses. Like everything else was pretty decent. We both had a defensive game. And, you know, when it comes to the QB play, it's just too much hero ball. Even one play, he literally was in the end zone and threw it right to the Titans to score, and they didn't even have to run nowhere. So I was like, at this point, I feel like the QB was the huge issue last year, and I feel like we fixed that right now. So it might be a little better show out this time. I will give the Titans credit, okay? 
Ryan Tannehill is a guy that I've kind of come to understand. He's not as consistent as you may want, but there are some games where he is really on it, and there are some games, man, dude, you don't even know why the heck he's in the NFL. Uh, that game, hell, we had control of the, of the entire of the, of the entire game. Then the interception goes. Tyquan Lewis gets the ball, tears his ACL, and fumbles the ball, giving it right back to the Titans on the very next play. Not the same drive, the very next play. A.J. Brown to the house for a touchdown, completely flips the momentum of the game. Sam, Nick, take me back to what y'all thoughts were of that game overall because it felt like the Colts had it, the Titans came back with a little bit momentum, and then the Colts came right back and took it all back on the very next play. The Colts took it and then gave it away. Yeah, it's, it is funny with Tannehill because, you know, you said you can get the good and the bad Tannehill in game to game. Sometimes you can get that in the same game. We've already seen that this year because I think in both games he played against Colts last year, he had two picks. So that's one big thing I'll be looking at this weekend is just not turning the ball over. But yeah, like last year, it was kind of like disbelief because that's a kind of like crazy stuff that normally happens to the Titans. Like after we get a lead, then all hell just breaks loose. And that's already kind of happened in these, in these, uh, in the games against New York and uh, Las Vegas last week. So to see like just that wacky stuff going on, it was kind of like, Hey, like it's nice being on the other side of this for once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would probably say one of the biggest things that about last year that kind of made the difference in how we were kind of able to come out in those games and just really shot teams really early was that defensive pass rush that we were able to get on teams. I mean, look what we did against the Rams when you got uh, you got the Rams. Like, look what we did against, you know, the Bills, being able to kind of stuff Josh. Nobody stuffed Josh Allen. I mean, it's just the, the type of pressure we were able to get. I mean, Carson Wentz in that situation. Oh, like, I mean, the guy has a sponsorship with WD-40 because his knees just – yeah, he can't, he can't loosen those things up enough. So if we're able to got to get pressure in that situation, I mean, that's whenever we're able to kind of make plays. And it's kind of what's lacking with our defense now. I mean, obviously, if you guys watch our games where we do like the first half, Ryan Tannehill comes out and it's like he has a QBR in the high 80s, maybe low 90s, maybe. And then second half, we just kind of disappear. And I mean, we, I mean, me and Nick have kind of talked about how it's just kind of been one of our biggest, our biggest leaks as a team because it just lets teams get back in it. This is NFL, no league safe. And so we do a really good job of coming out and jumping in there. We got a good game plan. We throw the ball around, get everything moving. Derrick Henry's our leading receiver. And then next thing you know, in the second half, everything just disappears and we're just playing, we're playing don't lose ball. And teams can't do that in the NFL. And, and we don't have really, we haven't found that A.J. Brown to lean on yet. And that's that was kind of the key. To that, I mean, he had 155 receiving yards in that in that second game against you guys. We we haven't found you know anybody to blow up like that. Robert Woods started to show a little bit last week, um, but that'll be something this week. You know, if we're, if we're gonna be competitive with the division, we're gonna need like the guy. And Henry hasn't quite gotten started yet, so gotta hope for either you know him to get ramped up this week or maybe uh, Traylon Burks to show up. Are we going to get into that in just a minute? We're going to talk about if he can get going uh, against this Colts defense. But I wanted to bring that up because, man, that that second game in Indianapolis, 
was one of the most frustrating games that I watched besides the Jacksonville game end of the year all season. It was either the Jacksonville game or that second Titans game that I was, my head was about to explode. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel after that game. There were so many twists and turns that of momentum. And in the end, Tennessee came out. They have won three of the last four meetings against the Indianapolis Colts. And that is something that the Colts are going to try and change starting this Sunday. So getting into the actual matchup coming into 2022, something that the NFL just thought that they should do really early on. Let's get Colts and Titans figure this out early. Why? I have no idea, but that's the way the NFL thought that they should do it. So getting into this preview of the game, you know, we're going to start on the Colts offense and we're going to go to the Titans defense. This is an area where, that I'm that I'm a little bit concerned for, for this team. And it's going to be where the money is made. This is going to determine who wins this game because the offensive line, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard it. You've seen it by now. Offensive line is a problem, okay? Matt Pryor, left tackle, not a natural left tackle. He never played left tackle in high school, middle school, college, never played a snap, mo- mostly a guard. But the guard you do have at right guard is getting destroyed in – the center right tackle are having to leave their assignment to help out Danny Pinter, allowing free rushes that the Colts have talked about should not be happening and the communication needs to be cleaned up. But then you go to the receivers, okay? You got Pittman. You know who Pittman is. We know who he is by now. Who is going to step up afterwards? But I do want to focus on the offensive line, okay, guys? So uh, let's go ahead and talk about this matchup because before the season – Obviously, the unfortunate injury to Harold Landry just got the huge contract, by the way. Uh, So great for him. Tearing the ACL, unfortunate, probably the best player on the Titans defense. And then Caleb Farley, what's going on there, Sam? What's going on? Caleb Farley, he was your top pick in the first round a couple years ago. He is he still dealing with this back issue at all or is he just finding, you know, consistency in the league? I I feel like that the. Caleb Farley is a speed demon. He, he obviously we know that there was talks that he probably runs like a four two, which is which is fantastic, right? But I think that his he's one of those guys where if I was a defensive coordinator with that guy, I would have him watching film with me after everybody else is gone. I think that there's a lot of he he, he needs to become more of a student of the game. Uh, I think that the game came really easy to him in high school and college. And I think that now that he's in the NFL, there are certain things that receivers can do now that puts him in a blender. And until he can kind of figure that out, he kind of gets a little bit of his IQ raises up a little bit so that he can kind of know what's going on in certain situations in the game. Because there are certain plays in the game where you can literally see that he doesn't know what to do if things aren't ran exactly the way that they ran in practice. If there's any kind of adjustment by the offense, he's, he's out there. He looks like, he looks like me whenever I walk into a Victoria's secret and I'm like trying to find something for my girl, he's lost. Wow. Okay. Shout out Victoria's secret on the blue stable podcast, everybody. Uh, Sponsor the pod. Sponsor the pod. Right. Because, because guys need that lingerie. Don't you think Christmas coming up and everything. Uh, Marcus, This matchup, okay, obviously public enemy number one, and I possibly actually just misspoke, honestly, about Harold Landry being the best player. No offense to Jeffrey Simmons. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, All pro, by the way. Possibly the second best defensive tackle in all of the NFL. 
Jeffrey Simmons versus Danny Pinter scares the hell out of me, Marcus. We already talked about what Chris Jones versus Danny Pinter would be. You saw that matchup 95% of the game. And now, here you go, coming into the next game, a monster like Jeffrey Simmons, who I still don't understand why you didn't take in that draft, obviously, a top five talent, falls to you, and you don't take it over an injury. Okay, so what? Now he's kicking our ass. But for Pinter... How do you even go about this, Marcus? You saw what he got destroyed against Chris Jones. Now what are you going to say? You know what? Let's go into the next Let's go into the next week against a player who's possibly better than Chris Jones. Can you believe that, Marcus? What, what is the biggest thing about this offense versus defensive line? Again, you got the pass rushers, Danico Autry, Rashad Weaver, Bud, Bud Dupree. But it's all it, the money is going to be made where Jeffrey Simmons lines up. This, this game is definitely have to be the deciding factor for the offensive line moving forward. I'm so sick and tired of Coach Frank Reich and, you know, the, the Colts. They all come out with the same, you know, the same discussion with the offensive line. Nothing's going to change. Everything's going to be okay. You just have to play better. But when it's this division game, when you're going up against the Titans, you're going to have this – is, this is going to be the game to show if we're going to be okay with this offensive line or not because we know the Titans are going to be in pressure. They do their film. They understand what they got up going up against them. And, you know, it's a division game. And plus, they got bragging rights to it. So I'm pretty sure the Titans are going to go all cylinders just flat out, send some heat on Matt Ryan. Because this offensive line stinks, especially at right guard with Danny Pinter. He's going to need help. I'm pretty sure we're going to see some more double teams this game. It's unfortunate that somebody is going to have to help them. But I'm pretty sure they're still going to get back there. But they do improve in the second half. So I think this game is definitely going to be a deciding factor of how the offensive line is going to function moving forward. And if Danny Pinter can somewhat, you know, try to contain him, maybe two or three more seconds, maybe he keeps the spot. But, I mean, I think this game really decides his future on the right guard position. Yeah, th this should be the last game. If Danny Pinter is not cutting to hell, even in-game, depending on what Bernard Ryman is looking like this week in practice, if he can go and Danny Pinter is struggling. Make the switch. Matt Pryor to guard Ryman at left tackle. That's that's what I feel should it, that change should have already been made. But I'm not the coach, right? I'm I'm just Michael from Temple, right? So Nick and Sam, I want to get to you guys on this for your defensive line to wreak havoc. And obviously, you know about the issues, especially if we're talking about it right now. Who is stepping in for Harold Landry in that spot? D Bud Dupree is the opposite side. Uh, pass rusher he'll be going up against Braden Smith and obviously there's not really no set they bounce back and forth but getting away a little bit from Jeffrey Simmons where are some other areas where you think the Titans may have success against this Colts offensive line well I, I think the fact that Bud Dupree is going to be back is going to be huge for us um, you know we were talking about how good Simmons is but with Dupree out last week you know we're already down Landry so we basically had guys we scooped up off the practice squad trying to rush the pass on the other edge, <clears throat> which allowed the, you know, Jeffrey Simmons to eat a double or triple team every single play. And so, you know, Rashad Weaver has stepped up pretty well, three sacks through three games. Um, you know, he's been pretty good stepping up for Landry. Um, but I think it remains to be seen like, like I'm not a huge Dupree guy, but when he's out there, you at least somewhat have to respect him. Whereas the guy who's playing for him last week, we just cut. So there's a big difference there. And so if he can go out there and be a full go, I think the defensive line looks totally different because even his backup, who's more of a special teams guy, he's hurt too. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty thin there. Um, so I think a lot of the success 
is going to depend on how healthy Dupree is and, and how much he's going to be able to stay on the field. Yeah, for me, whenever I'm looking at it, I was we talked about this. Uh, we talked about this this week. The fact that our leading tackler is a cornerback is an issue for me. It just lets you know uh, the like how thin we are at like the linebacker position, and like of course Simmons not being able to kind of do his thing and kind of get free. You don't have Landry getting pressure. So if we if our cornerback is our leading tackler. That means that either A, we're giving up a lot of passes, B, people are getting to the third level. I mean, it's not like we're blitzing this guy every play. So we got we have to get in a position where we can kind of keep the ball in the front seven and see if we can make some plays that way. Because if not, then we're just keeping ourselves in third and short, and it's just making it easy on teams to kind of get to kind of make plays on us. We, I mean, I, for, at fourth and fourth and three against the Titans right now. Might as well go for it if you if you're on the other side of the forty. I mean that's where that's where they're kind of putting us in that situation when it comes to how the defense is because they're not really making those plays in the front seven. I think debris coming back changes a lot because you do have to respect him. Uh, I think Weaver Weaver is a grown man. Like the the size of this kid. Obviously he got hurt last year, but the size of this kid he showed out in preseason. He just looks like a man amongst boys. And if he gets stronger, faster, and, like, learns the game really well, he's going to be a talent for years to come for this team. And he's, he's going to be a huge playmaker. And, I, I, I mean, don't, don't count him out to make a couple plays in this game. And one last thing I'll add is Danico Autry. The first couple games, I mean, he's getting up there in age. I think he's 33 now. So he didn't play at all during the preseason, didn't even practice. And after the first game, he was basically like hunched over trying to catch his breath. So he's just now like we started seeing what we saw last year because, um, you know, Dupree was the big signing. But honestly, Autry was what really sparked our turnaround in terms of a pass rush. So that was good to start him, see him start and get back into form. So if him and Dupree are, are good to go, I think we'll be in decent shape. Yeah, Danico Autry, the former Colt, uh, has a weird grudge against the Colts for some odd reason. Uh that's still weird how he was motivated in last year's couple games, you know, not happy with how the Colts uh, approached him in free agency. Still weird to me because they gave him the most money when it was his first time in free agency, gave him the most money and still gave him some, 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 some solid money. But yeah, it's always weird. But Danico Autry is still, we know Danico Autry all too well, Colts fans. He's a strong, powerful rusher. He can get, in the backfield he can stop the run he can make plays in the run game and we know all too well how he can impact the game because he's impacted it in a positive way for us obviously so that's always good to see the linebackers here that i'm seeing now if the colts want to get the run game going the offensive line getting to the second level is going to be big those guys in the middle david long jr zach cunningham always been a fan of david long jr jr always liked him at west virginia hard-nosed defensive guy especially during those dana holgerson days at west virginia uh respectable guy there y'all got zach cunningham who was cut from houston last year obviously made the waiver claim uh i think he was a waiver claim i i believe uh yeah. so getting all of this ready for this game the offensive line is going to have to get to the second level win matchups up front which lead to my next duo 
Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines getting into this game. It's going to be big about getting the ball out quick if you want to get those two involved. Jonathan Taylor, run the ball, run the ball. But godly, Marcus, everybody who's been listening to this, I've said for the last year, I'm happy Jonathan Taylor had the year that he had. I'm happy that he led the league. I'm happy for him. But I don't ever want to see that shit again because that means we're offensive line our passing game is not good and we're probably not that good in, in January. So I don't want to see it again. I want to see the pass game dominate this game for the Indianapolis Colts, Michael Pittman jr. I'll take him against anyone in the Titans secondary. He's been a dog. I've believed in him ever since the draft. I believe he can just be a top five receiver in this game. Week one, obviously was a big thing. He won every rep against Derek Stingley jr even though he's a rookie, right? But still Derek Stingley Jr. Marcus, for this matchup of Colts receivers and Titans corners, basically the secondary, we all know Mike Vrabel, who was a very good coach. I thought he was cheated out of coach of the year last year. Uh, I thought that Michael Pittman, being as good as he can, a number two has to step up. A number two, whether whoever it may be, who is one person that you're thinking Marcus, can be that number two guy to kind of help out in the passing game? Oh, for sure. It's his dynamic duo, uh, Alec Pierce. I think Alec Pierce can have himself a very solid game. I, th- I, th- I just think they mesh together very well, and they both can take the top off of any defense. Uh, we've seen the last week with the jump ball scenario. It's just flashes of just greatness, and he's not he's not even really fully stepped into his potential yet, but you know he's shown his flashes over the weeks, uh, of course, he missed a week before with the concussion protocol, but he came back and was looking like his normal self. Pairing him up with Michael Pittman Jr. is definitely a good dynamic duo. Like I said, this question just goes into circles of the offensive line. If they can just get Matt Ryan some type of time, I just think that this game can just be opened up very easily, and we wouldn't have to see Jonathan Taylor. Maybe we might see a spurt of Jonathan Taylor if the passing game opens up. So I think we should just stick to the, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce doing what they're doing, wreaking havoc. And I think this can be a really good game for both of them. But for sure, I think Alec Pierce might be a little bit more uh, explosive this game than Michael Pittman Jr. Because you know they're going to try to double down on him. Real quick, Sam and Nick. And I actually misspoke. Mike Rabel did win the Coach of the Year. My freaking dumbass just forgot that uh, freaking uh, key piece of information. But on your side, okay, what do you think the Titans' approach should be into containing a guy like Michael Pittman Jr.? Uh, I'll start on this one, and then I'll let Nick follow up because we all know Nick is the brains when it comes to us too, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I will say that uh, <clears throat> typically in these situations, uh, for me, if I was a defensive coordinator, I'm going into this game, and I have I have Fulton, Traylon Pittman, and – I try to do everything I can to make sure that I have help over the top. Um, as tough as that is, because you guys do have other playmakers and it does kind of take away from uh, any kind of like, it does take away from some run support. You can kind of get burnt on some draws just in case they get deep. But I think that that's probably the only way that you can kind of do it. You got to get physical on the line and he has to have help over the top. Fulton can guard Pittman when he's playing his best. But I think that in that situation, you just kind of have to have all the packages to where he's sticking to Pittman for the game. That's his assignment. And when he's out, when he's out, you definitely have to have help over the top. 
And I mean, you got to have Byer back there. You might want to, uh, Amani Hooker, tall receiver that can help over the top just in case you try to throw it up deep. But I think that's probably the play. But uh, I'll let Nick go a little bit deeper in it. But if it, if it was me, I think that's the play. Yeah, the Titans are kind of in a tough spot because one of their cornerback positions is, is so weak. You know, you talked about Caleb Farley. He played one snap last week. Uh, Terrence Mitchell, who was on a practice squad the week before, played like 90% of the snaps. And I don't know if you saw the, the stat line, but Matt Collins had 158 receiving yards with Terrence Mitchell on him. And we actually talked on the pod, <clears throat> and the guy I said I was worried about was Alec Pierce. Because Christian Fulton wasn't in the game when we played Buffalo. That's a lot of the reason why Diggs went crazy. And we played Devontae Adams last week. Now, he got a touchdown, but he only had 36 receiving yards. We did a pretty decent job of containing him, but that required, like, hoping that Terrence Mitchell could contain um, Hollins on the outside. Now, Hollins, like, his previous career, like, season high receiving total was 226. So he almost, like, cleared that in one game. This is not normal for him. So Alec Pierce is kind of same build, right? They're both, like, 6'3", 6'4". Alex, Alec Pierce is faster. So that's, that's who I'm a little worried about. What are they going to do on that side? Cause yeah, you want to, you know, you want Bayard to help out with Pittman, but then are we going to leave either Farley or Mitchell alone with Pierce? That, that could be trouble. So it will be interesting to see how they choose to do that this week. I'm interested to see it as well. I mean, the matchup itself can be really good. Do they do good on good there? Number one, following shadowing the number one, I don't entirely know if that's Mike Vrabel's style of coaching, even though he is a very brilliant mind. I would give him that a very great coach. That's all good and well. Matt Ryan doesn't have a huge history against the Tennessee Titans, but this is going to be his first matchup in the rivalry that is the Colts and Titans. Obviously, we know Jim Irsay really been harping on beating the Titans, okay? He has obviously been through everything that has been dominating the titans of the last couple of decades he wants to return to that hopefully the offense can start that once again uh this coming sunday let's flip the field flip, flip both sides of the ball here hold on, guys. Hold on before, hang up before you go just just uh so i can clear it up for all the listeners mike Vray, if if i was on the if i was on the tennessee titans right now even in the shape that i'm in which is not no shape mike Rabel would put me in and make me guard his, his philosophy is next man up so I would, I would definitely have to guard. Like, we don't really shadow that much. I'm hoping that that's what we do. But no, but no, it's next man up, and he would expect me to do my job. Hey, Mike Vrabel, that CEO mentality, you know, do things the way that I instruct them. It goes good for him, man. I got to say, Mike Vrabel, Vrabel has really changed how the NFL views the Tennessee Titans. And you've seen it from day one ever since he stepped in the organization, already winning the division, getting number one seed, reaching the AFC championship game in his tenure. It's a really promising future for him as well. Now, again, if you can just change the quarterback play and the name, I think there's a really high ceiling over there in Tennessee. Now, flipping both sides of the football, Tennessee offense versus the Colts defense. Marcus, this should be a fun one, okay? We already know public enemy – Derrick Henry but speaking on the offensive line real quick for the Tennessee Titans I think the offensive line has been a little bit of a weakness for Tennessee obviously losing your Pro Bowl left tackle Taylor Lewan is a huge hit on any team in, in the NFL stepping in his place trying to get his name right now uh Nick 
uh, who, who's stepping in his place? Uh, Dennis Daly. Yeah, Dennis. most Titans fans don't know his name either, so you're good. Right. <laughs> Dennis Daly. Y'all obviously signed the uh, the all-world LaRaven Clark, right? Y'all, y'all signed him. And then <laughs> yeah. getting over on the what, – what, how do you pronounce that last name of your right tackle? Uh, I'm going to butcher a French accent, but it's like Petit Frere, I think, Petit- something along those lines, yeah um okay yeah that's that, that's the best i got <laughs> okay Petit don't even Fred, ask, don't even that. don't even ask me right. <laughs> no, no, that tackle duo right there for the tennessee titans that's gonna be where i think if i was a titans fan it will basically speaking as a colts fan i'm excited for that matchup those tackles against yannick and gakwe quitty pay i'm excited for that because i think right now from what i've seen on film I think Yannick Ngakwe and Quiddy Pay will live in the backfield on Sunday. If the Titans' uh, approach is to throw the ball, I have confidence that they are going to be living in the backfield. Now, DeForest Buckner is dealing with an elbow issue. He has been in a sort of a brace the last couple of days, did not practice, a little bit limited today. What is going on there? I have no idea. But the interior of the offensive line for the Titans obviously got uh, – Oh, Ben Powers, Ben Jones. Yeah, Ben uh, Ben Jones in the middle. I think he's going to be anchoring that a little bit. Are they going to be able to, Marcus, is this team going to be able to run the ball in the Colts? Because so far, so far, they are the best run defense in the NFL. Even though you have Shaquille Leonard, who, who may, may not play this game, I'm going to assume he doesn't play, even though he's practicing Shaquille Leonard is ruling out Shaquille Leonard as he's been very clear and Frank Reich has come out. Uh, Shaquille Leonard is going to let me know when he's ready to play. And until that happens, he's out. EJ Speed has been a godsend in the run game. He has been phenomenal. He is the top graded run linebacker in the, in the league against the run. He is the top rated linebacker by PFF. That is not a, that is not a mistake. He is in the backfield. He's always making plays. Now, my question is who's possibly been the best player on our defense thus far? Big Grover Stewart. I, th- this dude is obliterating anybody. That, that really good interior of the Chiefs offensive line, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Grover Stewart was moving those dudes like they were little children. That's what he was doing. And we've had conversations on this show about this new scheme. You know, who is it going to hurt more? Who is it going to? Some people have said Grover Stewart. I wasn't of that mindset. Grover Stewart is the best player on this defense. He is the best defensive tackle in run support in the run. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some game in the NFL. So I, I don't know. I'm just going to take Grover Stewart alone in this matchup, stopping Derrick Henry. I'm not entirely sure how committed Tennessee is going to be in running this football this game, but Mark Marcus, tell me, how do you feel about our defensive line facing their offensive line? I am supremely confident. And it's not like uh, being biased or anything at all, but I think we will contain Derrick Henry. He won't, you know, he's still trying to figure his drive back into, you know, back to normal. He's shown a few flashes last game from what I've seen, but I think he's not really there yet. But I think what Grover Stewart, what he's done since week one, even if the fourth Buckner doesn't play, I still think this defensive line will still have a good showing against the Tennessee Titans just to do off of what happened last week. They all have shown flashes. And then you see the struggles at left tackle and right tackle right now for the Titans. And we've seen Yannick Ngakwe wake up last week, and I think he's going to keep it going. All It's all about consistency right now. And I think with Grover Stewart and how he's playing, forcing double teams of that nature, if the Tennessee even think about double teaming somebody, the other side's going to get through easily. So I, I do have supreme confidence in the defensive line. And if we talk about everything else, that might be a different story. But for the line's sake, I do have confidence in that. All right, Nick, Sam, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why... We're going to lose. Tell us why Derrick Henry is going to run wild. Nick, I'll start with you. I mean, I don't have too much of a rebuttal in terms of the, of the line discussion. Um, I, I will say we were dreading the tackles that you talked about going into last week because it was Max Crosby and uh, Chandler Jones, which is a pretty good tandem there. And Daly, you know, he, he came in in the middle of the game for Lawan and gave up like six pressures. So we assumed Chandler – Jones was just going to tear him apart. He only allowed like one pressure. Uh, they kept, they kept um, Tannehill mostly clean. So I feel a little bit better. I'm still not, you know, going to sign my name on those guys, but I have a little more confidence that they held up against um, those two edge rushers. One, you know, you're talking about Grover a lot. <clears throat> he honestly worries me more than the edge guys. Um, we, Nate Davis, our right guard, he's, he's been banged up this week. So he's been excellent up until this point. Uh, but banged up. And then our left guard, who's a new starter taking over for Saffold, is Aaron Brewer. And he says he's just under 300 pounds, but when he was at the combine, he weighed in at 270. So he's like, he's a small guy. And I don't know if you watched the Bills game, he got bull rushed a couple times or just flattened on his back. So if you're talking about Grover Stewart moving people, that could be, you know, maybe one of his main targets and coming up the middle. Um, because Tannehill can move around pretty good, but when that pressure comes up the middle, there's only so, you know, like, there's, there's really nowhere to go at that point. So that's probably like the, the matchup I would be worried about the most in, in terms of um, the offensive line is, is how can um, Brewer hold up to, you know, the bull rush, especially uh, if DeForest Buckner plays. Yeah. Um, 
I got this stat. So we've given up four sacks all season. It's third lowest in the NFL. So when I saw the stat, it was actually a little shocking that the fact that we, we would be the third lowest in the NFL when it comes to sacks giving up. But then when I actually think and I look back on it, if you watch the Titans play in the first half, even against the Bills in the first half, we got a lot of success being able to throw the ball around because of the fact that they've been keeping Tannehill really clean. And last year, that was not happening. Last year, it was open season on him. And we were all like, we don't know if this guy's going to walk out of the Dagum Stadium one of these times. And I think that it also, it also tarnished the reputation of Ryan Tannehill a lot because of the fact that his offensive line play was horrendous. It's similar to what you're seeing in Cincinnati when it comes to Joe Burrow this year. It's what Tannehill dealt with last year. Because if you look at what Tannehill did in all his in his previous years up to that, I mean the guy was having the guy was having QBRs that had people like, hey, like he's a game manager, but he's putting them in positions where they are where they're able to kind of win these games and we're able to make these playoff runs and all this and all that. I mean, he had the number one seed last year, and he got crushed. I mean, Chandler Jones came in here last year. Like, last year just had a field day. I mean, like, it wasn't supposed to be like that whenever these new guys got on the offensive line. We were supposed to just uh, – Tanner was going to get sacked four or five times a game. Four sacks all season. Right. So, I think with if these guys go in here and they're, they're well coached, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and they actually – and they're able to kind of just execute and give Tannehill a little time in the pocket. I, at the end of the day, and I, I know I spoke on this, I don't think that our run game is what's going to win us this game. Like, the run – having a run stuffer for the Colts is obviously huge, but I think that it's going to come down to Tannehill, and I think for us to be able to kind of pull off a win in this game, Tannehill is going to have to throw for about two touchdowns, about somewhere around like 230, 240 yards, 240 yards, and everybody's just going to have to do their job in order enough to, in, uh, in order to give him time in the pocket for, so he can sling the ball around. But uh, it was a really interesting stat whenever I actually saw it because I – like the Bills game, obviously, by halftime I was done. So – I don't know exactly how I didn't I didn't know exactly even how that turned up, but to only give up four sacks all season with some people whose names you notice we can't even pronounce. We don't even know who the left tackle is. All pro tackle is out. I mean, they make it busting with the boys make it RIP Taylor Lewan church. And it like if Daly shows up, shows out, I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of whispers. I mean, hey, RIP to Taylor Lewan. I mean, career, because, I mean, it's just to the fact that we're like, yeah, we're not getting any play out of them anyway. We haven't got any play out of them in the past two years almost. So it's not, it's nothing new to us when it comes to having these no-namers kind of plugged in there. But once again, like Rabel, having these guys in there just doing their job, and I expect them to do their job on Sunday. It's funny, yeah, I think a- you mentioned earlier about how you wish that the Colts would just stop sticking with the run and throw the ball. I think that's gonna what it's this is that's what the game is gonna come down to is which of the teams abandons the run first because the Titans have been passing the ball so much better. I think Derrick Henry still got it, but he's getting hit behind the line every time. Um, Titans are I think tenth team in the league in terms of EPA uh, per play on dropbacks. Like they're throwing the ball well, but if they you know try to run Henry twenty times and get behind, 
they might not be able to catch up. So it'll be interesting to see both teams if they're just going to, you know, be stubborn and keep trying to run the ball when both of them pass it better. I, it'll, it'll be fun to watch. Another aspect of this game that I find interesting uh, is the possibility of the Colts having two rookie safeties start this game. That is a possibility. Gus Bradley has come out and said, uh, you know, week to week, it's going to be a different game plan, whether you go with the rookie Nick Cross out of Maryland, the third round pick, or you go with the vet and Rodney McLeod, McLeod, sorry, McLeod. Obviously the last game, McLeod got all the reps. Nick Cross only got one. He spoke about communication, being able to get the play out on time, keep calm, get everybody in position was a big part of it, especially if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, man. That was a big part of it. What is the game plan going to go in? Does, does it flip back to cross? Because if that does, now I think you're kind of you're kind of putting your defense maybe a little bit at a different disadvantage due to just experience and knowledge. Because Rodney Thomas, Julian Blackman are uh, safe, free safety dealing with an ankle issue right now. So damn weird. I'm so tired of Indianapolis having weird ass injuries. I'm so tired of it. They don't even know what it is. Um, Having an ankle injury, I would put my money on him not playing this game. Rodney Thomas, rookie out of Yale, seven-round pick. Is he going to get this uh, start? He possibly will. He did come in the game for Blackman last week. Cross was nowhere to be found. So the coaching staff is clearly going with Thomas. Had a great play, play break on the ball. Would have been a touchdown for the Chiefs, but he came in and saved the day like a single high safety should. So, And then you have Kenny Moore, Marcus. I think if you are the Titans OC, you find any way to find the matchup of Robert Woods and Kenny Moore because Kenny Moore has not had a good season, has not had a good handful of plays, and he he still lost some reps last week. But I think Bradley did a nice job of disguising him a little bit, you know, putting him in different positions to be successful. That was one thing that I took away from last game. But if you're the Titans, man, you got to say, who is their weak link? on defense face on is is solid gilmore is gilmore kenny moore if i'm titans oc dude i'm trying to take advantage of that matchup all day every day and if they do because robert woods can line up inside and out they're gonna they're gonna do that with him that's what he did in la i'm scared for that matchup honestly marcus yeah uh same here kenny moore is a sad case Uh, i feel like he's lost in the system uh i don't think the system fits him very well due to how the how it's usually ran either it just looks like he's playing out of position and then when he does he's getting cooked and we can't have that against the titans you can't give them any type of momentum especially in the passing game with ryan Tannehill and his history of what he does for the Colts. if he's cooking you don't want to see that because he can run and throw the football so with kenny moore's situation if we can get any type of chance to put isaiah rogers in his spot i'm a hundred percent more confident in the defense of coverage of Isaiah Rogers than besides Kenny Moore. But like I said, if Kenny Moore is out there on an island and you got him one-on-one, I say take the shot. He's under, he's undersized and a guy like Robert Woods can have a field day for sure. And fantasy owners will be in joy if they see that matchup. But for sure, like I said, like you said, Gus Brassley, he he's hiding him very well at the moment. After the first week, it was a little rough, but as of now, he did transition to hiding him a little bit better. But like I said, if we can get any more Isaiah Rodgers uh, on the field like he did last week against the Chiefs when he was just exploding off the snaps, I think that'll help us out in the coverage game a little bit better. 
Nick and Sam, let me go to you guys. The passing game of Tennessee, who you spoke about, what do you feel there? What are some matchups that you that you feel great about going against this Colts secondary? I mean, I was pretty pretty surprised to hear you guys talking about Kenny Moore like that. Like, I haven't watched much of the first three games of the Colts, and I know how good he was last year. So I think that's that is a little bit tough for us because we haven't seen you guys without an Eberflus defense for a while. So um, we'll have to ask you what what the biggest defense is, what the biggest difference between those two is here in a sec. Um, but I would say one thing that the Titans have been doing really well this year is the play action. Um, they kind of like that was their bread and butter with Arthur Smith, and they kind of got away with that with from Downing. Um, kind of the secret weapon for our offense this year has been Tim Kelly, who you guys are probably familiar with when he was the OC in Houston, and that's who Rabel wanted after Arthur Smith left, but Houston wouldn't let them interview him. So he had to wait a year and then he got him on staff. So some are like theorizing he's kind of like the shadow OC basically because he's the one designing the passing game and he's getting involved in the run game now. So some people are like, we're not really sure what Todd Downing is doing anymore, which is probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, getting the ball, Tannehill is great at throwing it across the middle of the field. Um, and they have a lot of guys who, who run um, good crossers like Traylon Burks. His, his breakout is coming. I don't know if it's going to be this week or next week, um, but he only had like 30% of the snaps week one, and he ran like 97% of the routes last week. He just didn't get the targets. So th they're wanting to get him involved. And if you're talking about Kenny Moore being, you know, the smallish guy who's, you know, playing in the slot, Traylon Burks loves to be in the slot. He's a big physical guy. So that might be a matchup that they look to exploit. Yeah, I would definitely look for Traylon Burks in this matchup more than Robert Woods. I know that you, I know it's easy to say Woods because Woods is proven, but in this situation, not have you want to kind of you're probably gonna have Gilmore on Woods if I had to guess. So I would assume that it's gonna open it up a lot for uh Traylon Burks. It may even open it up for Westbrook Akine. I know it's been a while since we've seen that guy show up, but in this kind of situation, you're gonna kind of take what you can get and uh if you got those two rookie safeties back there, I would say that Akine might have a chance to get a little deep. We'll see what happens in the situation. Like that, believe it or not, man, and I, this is going to be left field, but I know, and he's, he's banged up. But if we had, I'd like to have Cody Hollister in this game. Like he, he just, find, he finds a way to get open in the red zone somehow. But it is don't, what let, it is. don't let Titans fans hear you say that. So yeah, I, I say, I say people get so mad Cody. when they see Cody. And that's a good sign. If you see Cody Hollister on the field, they're probably going to run the ball. So <laughs> maybe, maybe they're just, they've been doing that the first three weeks to, to trick you guys. And we, hey, hey listen, oh, my, my oh man, get, my man gets open, like whatever. Jeff Swain across the middle is going to be huge. Obviously we're going to have tight end, our tight end. We're going to have some tight end play there. Haven't gotten, haven't gotten a lot of the chicks like I would like to see. And then, of course, Hooper hasn't really balled out. I know he's banged up, too. So, I, I mean, I would look for Trey Burks to have a bigger game than he's had all year this week. So, so know, real quick. I know, the, I, I know my man. I know my man. I know, I know Marcus Warren next week. It's going to be this week. <laughs> real quick. <laughs> I want to get y'all's opinion on that draft selection of Traylon Burks. I haven't really seen y'all's initial reaction, but that selection surprised me. A little bit. I thought they would have gone a different direction at receiver, but Traylon Burks was a interesting 
selection. What was y'all's initial reaction when, when you guys got him? Initial reaction is hard because we were still on the floor from the AJ trade. Like, I, it took me about a week to, like, process what had happened in the draft because I was still reeling from the AJ trade. Um, yeah, that's not a guy that I was particularly high on. You know, I think he was awesome in college, but he didn't test too well. Um, but it made a lot of sense, too, because he's basically an AJ. Like, he's, he's great with the ball in his hands. You can put him all over the field. Um, he's big and strong and that's the kind of I mean what John Robinson did was basically get a discounted AJ and hope like you know that he, he's worth the savings they're going to make on that big eight that that they're going to save on that big AJ contract um, so yeah I was a little like down on it maybe it's because of what happened with AJ that I was disappointed that you know he's always going to kind of live in that shadow and I feel bad for him that nobody was really excited for him when he got drafted everybody's just sad about AJ um, but we've definitely seen the flashes. Um, we got off to a rough start. I don't know if you guys saw, but he came to, to camp out of shape. He has asthma, and that was a, a problem in college too. But um, he's looked a lot better and is coming around, and he, he's made strides every week. So I've, I've definitely come around. Uh, initial reaction was was kind of underwhelming, though. Yeah, you know what. I, I'll say I'll say this just because I, I guess I'm a little bit I'm a wild I'm a wild card when it comes to this kind of stuff, and this has maybe this is a weird scouting report for me. I wasn't 100 percent sure about Traylon Burks when he came in. I know Nick had other receivers that were a lot higher on his draft board whenever we were talking about it coming in, and it made me a little nervous whenever we kind of went away from anybody that Nick had picked. Uh, usually doesn't work out for us whenever it's somebody different because he kind of watches that stuff. Let me tell you guys something. When I saw on the ESPN that this man went to Arkansas and I saw him out there in the woods hunting hogs, you have to be kidding me if you don't want a guy like that on your team. That's a man. Traylon Burks is a man. Not only that, but then, then you see the guy on draft day. He's short. A man's got the, like, pretty green eyes. He also steals your girlfriend, so watch out for that, too. But, I mean, the guy comes in. He's big. He's strong. He, he's, he's country strong. So there's, there's a little bit of toughness about it. I guarantee you that you won't see him taken out. There's a lot of injuries that nag a lot of receivers and they get a little devish about it. And then they might take, they might take a week off. They might sit on the sideline during practice and stuff like that. You ain't getting that from this guy. This guy had a, he had a little bit of asthma issue. Welcome to Tennessee. It happens. But at the same time, the guy's tough. And I expect him to kind of come in here and kind of, take on that Tennessee blue collar mentality, take a couple hits across the middle. And I expect him to be a yak monster at the end of the, at the, end of the day. I know that's what AJ was for us, but close to that to the end, we wouldn't even use it. We were able to get the number one seed in the, in the AFC last year. We didn't even see, we didn't even get a lot of AJ. I mean, I know that obviously AJ is playing out of his mind right now. We know, we know what kind of talent he has. Tennessee fans are not surprised that AJ's balling out, but we expect this kid be really big for our future because of the fact that there's a lot of players on our team that are kind of on the back end and we kind of have to make sure that we have those players to kind of step up and I expect Traylon Burks to be a good player for us. Hey man, that's a little good insight on Traylon Burks, man, over there uh hunting hogs. Okay. All right. That's it's not what I expect. Well never mind we ain't gotta get there, into that but it's extremely hard to hunt a hog. I will tell you that. I've never done it, so <laughs> I'm out here in Texas, man. I don't think we hunt hogs out y'all, here. Y'all come out here to Tennessee. Come on back to my hometown. Let me take you to the woods. I'm telling you, 
I will, I'll, I'll throw a dip. I will throw a fat dip in and I'll show you hog hunting is for men. Sam, I will just grab a hog simply by its head and just, grab. <laughs> that's, that's all you got to do. Yeah, Talking like it's one of the hardest things to do. It, hogs are tough, man. They're, they're tough. They're stronger than they look. Hey, man, you ever been drunk with Mexicans and had to chase a chicken? <laughs> Talk about some uh, cardio and quickness, boy. <laughs> I'm not gonna admit that I've I'm not gonna admit that I've been drunk with a lot of Mexicans actually, but I'm not gonna admit that. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, chasing that chicken, that that that'll make you real good at the line of scrimmage as a wide receiver. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, sure, but sure. getting into getting into the matchup here, one other thing that I was gonna get uh, ready to talk about what what Nick uh, said earlier. What is the difference between a Matt Eberflus defense and a Gus Bradley defense? Obviously, you're taking the ball away at a much smaller rate which is, I mean, not having Shaquille Leonard is a huge part of that. But also with Matt Eberflus trying to speak like just general here instead of like go in on him like I have in the past. He was mainly covered too. He was always just just play prevent defense, okay? Just let allow everything in front of you. Just don't give up the big play. And when you get in the red zone, double down. Don't allow touchdowns. You saw how not really – uh, you saw it did it didn't work that well. Try to try to, you know, a lot of it hinged on getting pressure on the quarterback. That's why Chris Ballard went and made that trade for DeForest Buckner and got that. He said at that time the three tech drives that type of defense. So that was really it. You know, played a lot of cover two. Everybody's just playing zone. Everybody has to pass off. Everybody's running to the ball, which obviously you saw. Tennessee was allowed to just manhandle and attack the Colts with play action. And that is when Ryan Tannehill is at his best in play action. So it kind of helps it a little bit play action versus cover two zone. But with Gus Bradley, rarely are you going to see him in cover two. That's why the importance of a single high, like a Julian Blackman and or Rodney Thomas is so huge. We've seen a lot of single high in the first two weeks, Houston, Jacksonville, Mixing it up a little bit against Kansas City, shoot, you had cover four, cover one, uh, cover one robber, you threw cover two, you threw cover three, you threw everything different at that offense. Your corners are asked to be on an island. That's why you went and got a guy like Stephon Gilmer, Brandon Faison, who's been in a Gus Bradley defense for many years. He was brought here. And then being able to have your linebackers defend the pass a little bit more and then you're attacking scheme in the defensive line which is why you go out and get a Yannick Ngakwe who's been with a Gus Bradley before was with them in Jacksonville was with them in Oakland or Las Vegas sorry that's a little bit of the difference in philosophy when it comes to Matt Eberflus and Gus Bradley Gus Bradley I don't want you to get anything on me we're gonna attack you up front and then Matt Eberflus hey do what you want I'm getting paid I, I I don't know that that's how it was uh how I took it but I think a part of this game scares me before we get into predictions. A part of this game scares me because, again, we have seen Ryan Tannehill come into a game, a big game, and play great. He's on the money. He's accurate. His timing is great. His precision is great. His pocket awareness is great. He can also run the football very well. So that aspect is what is what scares me a little bit. Can he get away from pressure? Can he make a play happen with his legs? And then also – what uh i believe i can't remember who, who who said it but i think it was nick who abandoned the run game first tennessee what i'm scared of 
is if they try to get the pass to set up the run. If they are having success in the passing game, you're obviously going to see a difference in the defense. And if you see that, that's when Derrick Henry gets going. I don't think Derrick Henry is your typical hit the hole, boom, he's like that. I think he needs a little bit of space in front of him. Get a little bit of green grass in front of him. And when you got 250 pounds running at you, I'm not sure, you know, if you're trying to tackle all that. That's an aspect that I'm a little bit scared of with Tennessee. Yeah, and, and the Titans actually did a good job of that last week, um, getting Henry the ball on screens early in the game um, because it just wasn't happening in the run game the previous two uh, two games. And so Henry can still be that guy if he gets the ball in space, like you said, but he wasn't. He is. He's got to, like, build up that speed. And once he gets, like, two yards past the line and he gets his momentum going, it's like he'll fall forward for six yards at that point. But if you're hitting him behind the line, uh, he, he, he like doesn't go anywhere. So I was encouraged by that point. Like, is the, you know, I think that might be the Tim Kelly influence kind of getting more creative last year. Downing would have just kept running the running into the line repeatedly and hoping it worked. Um, but they found ways to get him the ball otherwise. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, they might try to do that more this week, get creative with the screens. I'll be interested to see if the Colts are expecting that. Because uh, the Titans have gotten burned on on screens. If you just watched the uh, Bengals game <laughs> playoff game last year, where they threw an interception on the goal line, um, but I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of play action, a lot of passing over the middle. And if I were Indianapolis, I wouldn't sell out to stop the run because I think that's kind of what the Titans are hoping for at this point. Yeah, I think that's what we're we're seeing a lot of it in Week One. Uh, the first half of week two and we saw it a lot the first half of week three where teams had seven eight in the box uh, the line was crashing down and Tannehill had plenty of time to throw the ball which I think attributes a lot to why we haven't given up a lot of sacks because teams are so they're they're crashing so hard in order to kind of stop there can we kind of get going and they're watching they're watching the backfield for him and Tannehill's just kind of able to drop back in the pocket, take two steps up, and then, oh, there's a receiver right across the middle because they're, the linebackers are so focused on coming up because they're like, oh, for sure, Rod. For sure, Rod. First down, for sure, Rod. Like, and it's just kind of leaving open those holes. And we, we've had a couple deep shots in some games that have kind of opened things up and have kind of flipped the momentum in some games. And I think that once once we get certain teams kind of lulled to sleep a little bit with how offense kind of works, I think that there's some holes in a lot of zones that uh, Tannehill has time we can kind of get to. And I think if he's able to kind of find some of those holes in those zones, make a couple big plays, a couple passes over 20, 25 yards, that it can kind of get the offense going in, in the right direction and it can kind of flip the momentum of this game really quick. Um, but I think it's going to come down to if the coach defense is able to kind of adjust the right way. And if that adjustment is the right adjustment at the right time, that's going to be huge. for them. Really good insight, everybody. Let's get into the predictions for this game. All right. And if you haven't already, if you're watching on YouTube or Apple podcasts, make sure you subscribe down below to the blue stable, turn on that notification bell. That way you are notified anytime content is dropped on the blue stable. And if you think the Colts are going to win this game, Give this a like, a thumbs up. That will be much appreciated. So let's jump into some predictions, okay? So 
Marcus, I'm going to start with you. We're going to go one after another here, okay? So, Marcus, we'll start with you. And then, Nick, we'll go to you, then to me, and then we'll go to Sam. So, Marcus, kick us off, man. What do you think is going to happen Sunday? The Colts special teams has another good outing, which makes us gives us an advantage. So, I'm going to go 24 Colts, 13 Titans. I will say the Titans get out to an early lead. I don't know if you guys have, have seen. I don't. Th- I don't think we've mentioned this stat, but the Titans have been outscored in the second half, fifty-seven to seven on on the season. Just we've been really good in the first half, and then we fall apart. So I think I think the game is going to be Titans get a lead, and then it depends on if they can hang on to it or not because the defense is not what it used to be. Um, but I do think that they'll have success, and since I'm a homer, I'm going to go with twenty-four. 24- 20 Titans. 24-20 Titans. Okay. You said the Titans have been outscored how many points in the second half this season? 57 to 7. <laughs> 57 to Not 7. Bad, right? I have another stat for you. The Colts defense have allowed zero points in every fourth quarter so far this season. Zero points. After even facing a Patrick Mahomes team last year. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So I think that'll actually you, – you actually just set up my, my prediction right here. Um, I think it'll be a tough game. I think both teams are going to feel each other out in the first half. And then the second half, I think there will be fireworks, honestly. I think the Colts are going to come out guns and blazing. My only issue, my only worry, if the Titans find success with that play action, it could be a long day for Indianapolis on defense, especially the linebackers got to be able to cover tight ends, got to be able to cover Kyle, Kyle Phillips, Traylon Burks, anything going over the middle, especially Robert Woods. But I'm going to go with the Colts. I feel confident in this pick. Uh, haven't felt confident too much in the last couple of years choosing the Colts over the Titans. But this one I feel really good about. So I'm going to go with the Colts 31 uh, to 17. Okay. Uh well, Nick stole my score that I was actually going to give. Um, but since, since that's there, I will, uh, I'm going to say that the Colts defense actually puts us in a weird spot and Todd Downing decides that he wants to run some really bad plays on a couple third downs when we're trying to score. And I'll say that it ends up being 23-17 Titans. I think that we're going to end up with some field goals, and I think Randy converts – uh, I think that what's going to happen in this game is that we, in the second half, obviously I think that the Colts will kind of surge a little bit. I, I see kind of like a 14 to three at halftime. The Titans look really good. Tight, the Colts start surging. And then I think as soon as it gets to that point where we're all on the edge of our seats and the Colts are really, really about to try to make this comeback, I think Matt Ryan makes that one mistake. Ooh, he makes that one mistake. Okay, I mean, the offensive line may have something to do with that. I don't know. But, guys, this has been a great episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. The Tennessee Titans come to Indianapolis to visit King Taylor's house in Indianapolis, the real king in the NFL. So we already know what – you guys already know what we think. What do you think, the fans, whether if you're Colts, if you're Titans, if you're NFL fans in here, man, let us know down in the comments. Do you agree with Nick? Do you agree with Sam? Do you agree with me and Marcus? Who do you guys have winning this game as well? We obviously got Bengals and Dolphins. 
going at it. Really boring game so far. Those teams are nothing. The Colts are going to the Super Bowl. So other than that, this has been another episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. Before we get out of here, guys, Nick and uh, Sam, once again, let's go ahead and let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, of course. At Unfiltered Titan on Twitter, at SamHit615, at NF underscore Lombardi. Uh, follow, you can follow us on Twitter is what we usually use. Obviously, we're everywhere you can find podcasts. Be sure to check us out. And guys, it's been a great episode. We're thankful you guys had us on. It's rival week, but at the same time, obviously, a lot of respect for you guys and what you guys are doing over there at the Blue Stable. Uh, still waiting on that sponsorship from Victoria's Secret that's coming. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, I wasn't expecting to promote Victoria's Secret on here, but it was it was still a, a great conversation. Love chopping with, chopping it up with you guys, and uh, you know it's it's about an hour, so my all my civility is, is running up. So I think it's perfect timing. But yeah, appreciate us appreciate it a lot for having us on. All right, guys. Well, that has been another episode. Thank you again to Nick and Sam for jumping on here, guys. Make sure you tune into their show. If they happen to lose, make sure you go tune into it. Make fun of them. Tell them that the Titans are no good. And if we lose, Titans, stay the hell out of our comment section, all right? So we, we ain't trying to hear all this BS, okay? So other than that, guys, we will be back at it Sunday, post-game show. After every game, obviously, I go on Twitter spaces. Let's want to hear your guys' thoughts, comments, questions about the game, about anything that you guys saw. So be on the lookout for that as well. And other than that, check out thebluestable.com down in the description below that you will find that link. Other than that, that is Nick. That is Sam. He is Marcus Culture Shock. I am Michael Pivia. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.